Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast here at Southern Scrap Nation. Today is Monday, November 9th, 2020. It's a warm day here in Charlotte, North Carolina. I was super used to all the hot weather, so or all the cold weather that we just had last week. I was gearing up for it, and then all of a sudden, in North Carolina fashion, we do a 180, and we're back to spring weather for some reason. But no complaints. Uh, Today, we'll be going over the fights from this past weekend at UFC Fight Night in the Apex. Thiago Santos versus Glover Teixeira. Um, I didn't catch the fights live, but don't worry. I watched all of them. Like, I just... ESPN Plus, as much as I think their ESPN deals... I think they're just going to renew it. I'm not 100% sure, but I saw UFC. If anything, they're renewing the EA deal. So for all those that play the video game, me included, guess what? We're going to get the same half-assed bullshit we've been getting because I guess sales have just been normal, and obviously I'm a contributor to that because I just want to play the next best thing. I mean, don't we all? So when I got I got UFC four, and then you turns out it's almost exactly the same as UFC three. They fuck up the ground mechanics a bit. Um, striking's normal. The AI's terrible as usual. So they do enough to make you buy the next thing because it's just a wee bit different or better. But at the same time, uh. Hold on. Um, okay, so they struck a five-year deal. Anyway, because they're getting a bunch of different deals, right? Remember, we're going away. I'll digress back to the UFC game. It's just so not important that uh, this will take priority. Um, they are past the ESPN, or they're past the Reebok deal. They're moving in with Venom now, which what a dumb decision. Obviously, Venom probably... Being the smaller of all the companies that were offered, I think, uh, hold on. UFC Reebok deal. Um, Sorry. Okay, so... They ended the Reebok deal. They're moving in with Venom. Venom being the smaller out of all of those. I think Nike was one of them. The There was a couple big... Yeah, there were a couple big... Uh, let's see. Deal or big companies. But I'm sure Venom needing all the hype it could get and all the marketing it could get and being the on some one of the biggest sports, they probably offered the the most... Um, oh, there's going to be an increase in pay. The pay system under da da da. They haven't they haven't talked about it, but the Venom's that's what I mean. This deal, Venom's probably giving a lot of money for this deal more than the other companies are willing because the other companies have other sports that they can make money off of. So it's no big deal whether or not like Nike or Adidas or whoever, whomever. But with Venom. 
it's at least combat related shit and they care about the fighters as you can see so they're getting paid more now do i personally think it's a good idea to align yourself with a company in a in midst of other companies out there that pigeonholes you into being with one sponsor and maybe potentially another you can wear like a monster energy drink logo on your shorts and you can get a monster depending on how popular you've become in the UFC, which matters the most out of all the others company wise, but at least in the Western market eyes, right? Cause in the Eastern market eyes, one FC is the fucking place to be. So back to the UFC video game. So I can at least finish that point. Uh, so since no one decided, Hey, we're not going to take this. We're not going to buy your game. UFC and EA are like another 15 year partnership or whatever the year or whatever the deal is. But since no one voted by not buying anything, it looks like we're going to get stuck with the same, you know, I mean, it's whatever. There's just like no care. They don't put any of the top people that are in it. It takes them forever to put the right people in it. They have people in it that don't even fight in the UFC anymore. Um, no. So anyway, other than that, it's fun. But so with the Venom deal, there's a bonus to it because, like they said, they pay more. But if you're if you're forced to rep one brand when you could go to a company like a Bellator and rep whatever brands you want. Like I just saw Corey Anderson fight Melvin Manhoof the other day. And on his shorts, he had a bunch of different sponsorships. People pay massive amount of money. Like they write checks for having their face being able to have that one-time billboard kind of marketing. You have 3 million people watch a Bellator on CBS because it's just on CBS. It's probably 10, you know, however many people. And that's just how many eyes. So a lot of fighters are missing out on this big paycheck that they could get for repping a brand day of. Where Reebok and these other companies are like, we'll pay you $2,000 for that. Because everybody's wearing Reebok. So it's not like our face isn't going to get known or get around. But you could have a Joe Schmo mulch digging company that has an extra 10 grand to throw around. And they're like, Oh, well we usually put 10 grand for marketing here, but why don't we try this since it's going to be in the town? Like let's say the fights are in Connecticut or whatever. A small business in Connecticut in that area can be like, put our mulch company on here. Here's 10 grand. And then there you go. It's an opportunity that you miss out if you're not, if you're in the UFC, but the potential is you also get called one of the best fighters. You're a former UFC fighter once you're done. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of credential that goes into your resume once you come out, and there's a lot of great things that can come about it if you do it right. But you could also be the B fighter, and they could just put you against killers after killers trying to make a name off of you. And then they never give you a good deal. And they're always, you know, just trying to knock you off because you're a good fighter. 
but they have this one guy coming in and he's got this awesome personality and he has the it factor that maybe you don't have. So now you're just fighting an uphill battle for what? $4,000 and your ability to be like, I'm a UFC fighter. So that's a, that's a hard conversation fighters have to have in, uh, in the mirror. And that's, am I going to be a UFC champion? Because you know. You know. You know if you are. Right? I'm not saying someone with the aspirations and hasn't even had an MMA fight. I'm not talking about those people who are like, you know, they're trying it out. Like, they got to they gotta try it out. They got to see. But the fighters that are like, should I take this deal knowing I'm just going to fight uphill to be a gatekeeper and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Or I could go to a smaller organization, cash in now, put some of that money away so that way when I'm done with this, I at least have a little bit of a cushion. Especially when you have a guy like Jerry Prozna, the guy that's fighting at Let Heavyweight. He went to Ryzen. He fought a bunch. He got an, he got an offer from the UFC, and he's like, nah. And that's a good thing because then he took all the money that he got from these smaller organizations, which he was probably making more than what he would have if he just outright took the UFC deal in one or two, three fights, in one fight deal with whatever company he's with. He makes more off of these fights, so he has this cushion that if things don't work out in the UFC, I'm okay. Luckily for him, things are working out just fine, and the experience doesn't help. And I'm not saying you're going to fight tomato cans in all these organizations, but you're definitely going to fight competition that doesn't have as much footage on them, that are not as experienced. Maybe if you feel like you're ready for the UFC, you take a year or two and you fight in the smaller organizations to really sharpen up being under the lights, having the experience of being the A-side, because being the A-side, it comes with a lot of pressure. You're there to win. And if you don't win, there's a lot of people that are going to be upset with you. So, because they thought you were safe money. So, you have to learn how to deal with that pressure. All of Khabib's mentality and everything like that, that came from before the UFC. He got in the UFC, and his, uh, I've talked about his fight record in the UFC. It's not gigantic. But all that prior experience helped him come under the lights because he fought in front of crowds before that. All through, his, all through his childhood and more, he's fought under lights and with being on the A-side. So when he comes to the UFC, the lights, could, he could take it or leave it. Like, he doesn't really care. He'd love the lights to be there for his family to watch, but other than that, he doesn't really care. But when you get someone that's like fought three times on smaller circuit on regional level pro, and then they get a call-up to UFC Dana White Contender Series, they're flying out to Vegas, they're cutting weight, they see other fighters there, and they're like, oh my God, I'm so starstruck. These are the people that I'm, I looked up to. And they're like, yeah, whatever. Well, guess what? You're here. You're trying to, you're trying to take it all in. You're young, most likely. 
then you get there, lights are on you, and then you're forced to perform. I'm not saying the guy that wins and performs the best on the lights, it's a fluke or anything. No. I just think some people don't perform under the lights as well as others, so why just jump at the, jump at the opportunity to? And you know if you're that kind of person. That's all that matters. It's just that's the conversation you have to have. Am I that person? Am I the person like, uh, like a Conor McGregor that just takes in the lights, takes in the opportunity to be in front of cameras, can really compartmentalize it all together, going in there and fight, having an impressive-ass uh, performance, and, and if you lose, be able to stand in front of whoever and tell them, my bad, that it wasn't me tonight. Um, I didn't do it right. Uh, there was holes in my game that obviously I need to work on. I'm sorry to my friends and family and da 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 Whatever. You are going to have to have that conversation. Because... Guess what people don't like? The guy that talked all, or girl that talked all the shit and then goes to the cameras and goes, man, that's bullshit. I should have another. No one likes a sore loser. So like all these different little factors of a personality, you got to make sure those are in check. Otherwise, you're going to get knocked out clean in front of millions of people. And the, oh, I'm a UFC fighter is one fight. And then the next fight, you're like, okay, I got this. And then you go out in front of the lights again. And then maybe you embrace it and you win. And then you make a good career out of it. Or the pressure is too much once again. Because it's the same pressure. And it's not going to get any smaller. The definition of insane is doing the same thing over and over and over again. I'm going to get that better. Um, uh, doing the same thing over again and expecting a different result. That Albert Einstein's definition of insanity, right? So maybe you're not that person, and that's why you go to a smaller and that's why you see a lot of these fighters that do go to smaller organizations after they get cut from the UFC, and then they come back, and they're like, whoa, they're way better. They're knocking on the top ten's door. They're beating these young prospects, pillar to post, and they're like, oh, that's what it was. But since we're a young sport, I mean, it makes sense that now you're seeing that kind of behavior from fighters that were cut. Because the talent pools are so big that you get cut way easier. But like I said, I think the UFC, 10 fighters per weight class, 15 at most, call it a day. <clears throat> All right. Uh, okay. We'll go through some news. And then I'll break down what happened this past weekend. Or I can do it now. doesn't matter. Whatever. I'm just going to go through the news. Uh, shout out to 
Mark Coleman. He's recovering from a heart attack. Yeah, that's a... I mean, he was like, I didn't want to go to the hospital. That's wild. It's not news. Okay. Um, Nate Landwehr versus Mosoff Evlev, December 5th. I like watching Nate Landwehr. Takashi Sata versus Miguel Bazia. Oh, any more? Any more announcements? Any more? Any more? Any more? Shout out to Brian Barmarina for emergency surgery. Some internal bleeding or something? I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure. I thought there were more fights that were announced. MMA Junkie got some. Oh, the Kevin Ho- it's Kevin Holland versus Ooh, Jack Hermanson now. Darren Till's out with an injury. PFL champion Kayla Harris to make her featherweight debut against Courtney King and in Invicta FC. So she's making her way to the UFC. Um one, she's going down in featherweight, and two, she's going to Invicta, which is a company owned by the UFC. So, yeah. Antonio Carlos Jr. versus Brad Tavares. That's a cool fight. Thanks, MMA Junkie. Nope, that's it. Okay, well, shame. Now I get to talk about the fights because, to be honest, I've been one. Oh, uh, Islam Magachev is out of Saturday's headliner against Junior Dos Santos. Or Junior... Rafael Dos Santos. RDA. I don't know what that means. I don't know who's going to replace him because it's this Saturday. Definitely the biggest fight of his career. Um, Dos Andros said, Michael Chandler, let's go. I go, let's do it. Put Michael Chandler in there. Michael Chandler against a former lightweight champion, returning to the lightweight. It's not a bad fight for Michael Chandler because he doesn't have to go against anyone in the top three. But it's still considered an elite fighter who had success at welterweight. And at one point was title talks for welterweight. But he's making his return to lightweight, which he had success there. So, yeah, I think. And now that Khabib's out of the picture. I mean, RDA kind of doesn't have anyone to contest him in. Um, I just have to see him back at. Welterweight or back at um, lightweight. So let's go back to when he was a lightweight. Tony Ferguson beat him, Eddie Alvarez did, but Cowboy Pettison, Diaz. 
No, it doesn't look like anyone that he's fought and beat is still a lightweight or still even fighting. As far as people, I mean, and then, okay, so he loses. So he beats Tarek Safadine. He beats Neil Magny. He beats Robbie Lawler. We're like, whoa, he's on to big, bigger and better things. And he loses to Colby Covington, loses or loses to Kamar Usman, loses to Colby Covington, loses, wins against Kevin Lee, who is, who was lightweight, you know. But once again, he lost to. And then he loses to Michael Chiesa, who was a former lightweight contender. I just, I would have to see. I think Michael Chandler is just a good matchup for that. But I hope, I hope he figures it out. Damn. 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 Michael Chandler is in Florida. It's not that far away. He could probably do it. Hopefully by Wednesday, we'll have a better answer. That's that's the biggest question. Okay. So why don't we go to the fights this weekend, and we'll talk about the main event. Our main card. We started off with Jan... Uh, Shion um, she just beat the brakes off Claudia Gadelia uh, but she's also an up and coming you know she's beat Carolina Kolakiewicz she's like the new breed of strawweight fighters Carolina Angela Hill she beat I mean those are two big names right there I mean, she's decisioning these girls, but she's outstriking them like crazy. Jamal Gillette just fought on a main event. But anyway. So, she gets another, another feather in her cap for who she fought and beat. And then next is someone else in that. I mean, I like that she's going through these former title contenders. I mean, besides Angela Hill, but she beat Angela or she beat Claudia Gadelia. She could fight Michelle Watterson, but Michelle's scheduled to fight. Watterson. No, 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 no. Next fight. Maybe I'll go look at her Instagram. Anyway, um, she was she's supposed to fight someone next, but 
If not, it's a good fight. Uh, then we had Giga Chikasi versus another prospect person that they that they brought in, Jamie S- Simons. And Giga Chikasi just uh, did. G- Dude, this guy is going to be a real problem at featherweight. He is a former Glory kickboxing champion, uh, akin to akin to Israel, and he trains at he trains at a. King's MMA, so it's not like his wrestling is getting any worse and his jiu-jitsu for MMA is getting any worse. This guy's going to be a real problem. He's on a... One, two, three, four. Four fight win streak. And all decisively, too. Um, I left to go get food during the Corey Sanhagen and Marice fight. And I come back and I was like, who's what, how's, what fight did I win? She, or what fight did I miss? And my girlfriend's like, you missed Morales get his ass beat. And I go, oh, by who? And then I looked up and I was like, that makes sense. That makes all the sense. Yeah, he's a real problem. He's akin to, I guess she doesn't have a fight in the house. Never mind. I guess, it's a, akin to him in a way. I mean, I'd like to see him against the top guys in the division now because he's kind of just beating these guys pretty decisively. He needs a real step up in competition. How old is he? Oh, he fight at, he fought at Mike's gym. Damn, dude. He's 32. He's not young, but prime. Oh, he lost to Austin Springer on his debut. Uh, Oh, here's a guy that lost during Tuesday Night Contender Series Season 2 and lost his first fight. And then he goes on to win by submission. And he goes on to win TKOs, comes back, fights on the Hermanson Cannoneer card, and then has been on a just killing spree for one, two, three, four, five. Five fights? Five fight winning streak. Damn. See? It's going to be a real problem. All right. And then you had a a great performance by... Rowney Barcelos versus Khalid Taha. Just, yeah, I mean, outstriking him. Two takedowns, submission attempt. Yeah, I mean, he just outclassed him and all. And once again, another guy, Barcelos in Bantamweight, who's on a three-fight winning streak, had a really sick knockout of Carlos Houchin. You know, he's a three-time Resurrection Fighting Alliance featherweight. These are guys that fought in other bigger time events. Where they, I mean, Brazil, obviously. You have the whole Combachi channel just dedicated to that stuff. So everyone in Brazil's got a subscription to that. I'm pretty sure and you can watch all those fights, all the eyes, all the sponsorship money. 
Um, and then the co-main event, man, I didn't. I thought Tanner Bozer was going to go out there and do it, but Andre Olovsky just proves it once again that that veteran savvy, quote unquote, is just something that you you don't like really get a whole lot. Like he's one of those guys that he's not on a three fight winning streak or two fight winning streak, but he's just like he's hard to beat. He's so good. Like he's been in the game so long that unless you just come at him with like Jar- Jarzinho Rosenstruck scary power or uh, I mean um Francis Ngannou scary power like he's going to he's going to beat you. And Andre Arlovsky is the definition of gatekeeper. If you can't get past Andre Arlovsky, you're not ready for anyone else in the top 10 of the UFC heavyweight championship or UFC heavyweight roster. If you can't get past him, you're not ready for those guys because only those guys are getting past him. I mean, look, the people that have beat him, Jarzinho Rosenstruck, Augusta Sakai, he fought on a main event, Tai Tuivasa, Marcin Tabura, Francis Ngannou, Alistair Overeem, Stipe. Yeah. At least in the past 10 years, the people that have beat him have all proven that they're top 10 UFC heavyweights. If you don't beat him, you know. You need to take some time, fight some more people. And then we had the main event. What a crazy main event. Submission third round, Glover Teixeira. What did I say, baby? Yeah, underdog. I told you. I was only going to do one underdog. It was the main event. Glover Teixeira is the underdog. What did I say? The only people to beat him, Gus, Anthony Johnson, and John Jones in the past, I don't know, how in the past however many years he's been in the UFC. There's not a lot of guys out there they are going to beat this old man. That's okay because he's he's not an old man in a derogatory way at all. This guy just finished two uh, former title contenders, two middleweights that just were on a tear, got into light heavyweight, proved that coming up to light heavyweight was the best decision they made in all their... No, wrong. Glover Teixeira was that wall. He was like, absolutely not. You think I'm not going to get another title fight before I'm out of here? Fuck no. I was supposed to be the light heavyweight champion of the world, but two men that came from the gods, essentially, Dan, Daniel Cormier and John Jones, were just like, during your whole prime of your career, we're going to just have this battle of to see who's number one. And Glover's like, oh, man. I was groomed. I was supposed to be. I was training under Chuck Liddell. But now he's back at it. And to be honest, uh, has a really good chance. I'm not going to lie. This is a case where the experience is just out. It's just going to outclass these guys. I mean, think of the shots he took in the first round. He gets a takedown. The first takedown he gets on Thiago Santos. Uh, done. First round over. Glover Teixeira's on top, just boom, 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 hitting with the little shots, hitting him with elbows, just 
wearing out the big guy. Second round, Jago Santos comes out there with a little bit more of a, oh, I'm ready to hurt you. Hurts Glover. Glover's like, well, let's not that, let that happen again. And takes him down a whole round. Third round, comes out, drops Glover. So as the rounds are going on, you know, it's not... It's not the... It's not looking great. Like, it, it's going from great to not so great. But it's okay. Because, yeah, first round, he's getting hit with shots. Glover's, yeah, he kind of drops Glover. Glover grabs the legs, gets on top. He's trying to elbow him. But no, it's going to take a And then he slams Shagosan. And he gets the full mount. The way he slams him, my God. Chiago's a big guy, and you're like, when you look at him, you go, he's big for a light heavyweight. He just picks him up, and just half guard, wears on him, wears on him, gets the full mount. Second round, does a nice straight right to a double, and then welcome to the whole second round, just on top, on top, just wearing on him, wearing on him, passes to side control. Gets the full mount. He gets the full mount for like a second. And then saved by the bell, he gets this rear naked choke in. Once he got in on the second, the second round before the, rear, before the end of the bell, I was like, oh, man, that's he's going to get it now. Because uh, Chiago's just like showing his bat in a way to get, a, get choked. Like it, it's tiring. You're so tired that you're just like, here's my back. It's not like he's trying to get out of there because obviously he almost knocks him out in the third round. But it's like uh, your brain goes, well, we can get out of this situation if we just give him our back. And it's like, yeah, as a restart, let's like restart. Because every time you give your back in jiu-jitsu, you just automatically restart again. But with this, you can't. Like it's either you lose or you win. So that's why someone like uh, Chiago would rather go out than – I don't think he was going to tap. <clears throat> but anyway, he knocks Glover down first 10 seconds of the third round. Seems like it's over. And then Glover just veteran savvy holds him down. And this is Chiago's last hurrah. This is all he has. This is everything. He's getting good shots off. And then Glover gets that double leg. Goes to the back and just slowly sinks in. And he's got some major pressure. And he's flattening him out. And he gets that. And I was like, oh, this is over. Um, yeah, just an unbelievable performance by Glover Teixeira. I think he gets to skip Adesanya to fight for the title. I mean, give the old man, like he said, his chance. I agree. Why not? 32-7. and 32-7. What a record. No double digits. No double digits. I mean, he's on a one, two, three, four, five-fight win streak. Finished two of his last opponents. He lost to Corey Anderson. This is his last loss. Corey doesn't even fight in the UFC anymore, so it doesn't even matter. Anthony Johnson, 
John Jones. Uh, full day. I mean, obviously he lost to other people, but I counting since his John Jones lost. His John Jones lost. Yeah, man. Yeah. He's just an all-around good dude. And he's working with Alex Pajeda. I think that's pretty cool. Give him one shot against Jan Blachowicz. I think it's a great fight. I think Jan can do exactly what I'm talking about. Or uh, Glover can do exactly what I'm talking about. And just be a veteran. Anyway, those are the fights. I'll be back on Wednesday to break down this UFC fight card that may or may not happen. I don't know. It's supposed to be Islam versus Rafael dos Anjos, but they're definitely not going to put Abdul Alassane versus Kalen Williams as the main event. No offense to both those guys. Just not going to be selling tickets. That we already lost the Daniel Rodriguez versus Brian Barberina fight. Well, maybe, maybe we did, maybe we didn't. I don't know. Oh, Tony Gravely's fighting. Fuck yeah. Shout out to Tony. But hopefully we find a hopefully Michael Chandler fights. So maybe RDA versus Michael Chandler? I don't know. Maybe. All right, well, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your Monday. Stay safe, and until Wednesday, uh, Sunscrap Nation, Sunscrap Nation Podcast, Sunscrap Nation iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Sunscrap Nation Facebook, IT, uh, Instagram, Twitter, SunscrapNation.com, Sunscrap Nation, uh, Sunscrap Nation. Uh, thank you, and peace. <laughs>